You're listening to The Poster Boy Podcast. Our mission is to help young entrepreneurs in small-town America start, grow, and manage 21st century businesses. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, this is Chad. Hey, and this is Drew. Today, we have another quote. Chad, what's that quote today? All right. The quote today is from one of my favorite investors of all time, Warren Buffett, who says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Man, that's a that's a really powerful quote. I know I've heard that before, and, and maybe we can break it down for people what the the high-level topic today is and how we're going to make this quote make sense of it. I think the the reason that I wanted to bring this up is I wanted to talk about investing and how it actually correlates into running a business. And so Warren Buffett is obviously probably arguably the most famous investor of all time. And so I think it only it only makes sense to tie some of his advice into this and, and to help us better understand how investing makes you a better business owner in the first place. Yeah. And, and, and if, if I understand Warren Buffett correctly, he invests in business. But what you're saying is maybe not just investing in business or maybe it's investing in business and playing the stock market. Well, kind of. So this is the this is first. This all came to me um, a couple of years ago when I did a course through a, a company called Rule One Investing with Phil Town, and he's a huge proponent or you know a huge supporter of Warren Buffett, and he really teaches value investing. But the reason that I wanted to attend actually was a lot less to do with investing and a lot more on how to understand my own company and what investors look for. I wanted to know what the most like successful and professional investors of all time, what, what it was about a company they were buying into, what was it they looked for that they loved? And I thought that that would help me evaluate my business and my position moving forward in the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing I think about is in a lot of the consulting that I do, you know, people come to up, up to us and say, hey, we want to build a website and our budget's $40,000. Now, as someone who's automatically in sales mode, um, you know, I start thinking to myself, well, what could we do with $40,000? But when I really zoom out, I ask myself, if, if this business has $40,000 to invest, is a website going to produce the greatest form of return on investment? And uh, for, for that business, right? Because yeah. they could take that same 40,000 and put it, you know, put search engine marketing to an ugly website, but potentially get the same amount of results, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, Drew, you and I both know that uh, we worked on a project recently with um, Joe Johnson, the NBA player. And, um, you know, Joe came in with the idea of he really didn't have a budget in mind. He just wanted the best. And, what I love about working with you is you said, hey, we can do this for a lot less than he's thinking instead of taking advantage of it. And we can use some of the extra money to build on marketing. And that right there is why your business, I mean, and I think we should definitely touch on has grown exponentially in the last during COVID. COVID's probably been the best year of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you know, to, to say it as, as <laughs> ki kindly as I can, because I know a lot of people are suffering the you know the the macroeconomics just it lent itself towards a digital first global economy and us being in the digital industry it you know we were at the right place at the right time and caught that and i th i think if we go back to that quote um you know we we weren't greedy but 
whenever things were going a little bit south, we definitely captivated or, or captured that opportunity. Well, you know, um, the way I really wanted to tie this quote in today, Drew, and I and I hope that you'll you'll see this as well, because I think people should probably realize we don't discuss these before we get on. We save our questions for this and our ideas. But, you know, I think by looking at this quote on be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful is also a really good um, blueprint for when it might be a good idea to sell your business mm. or to start considering an exit strategy, because if you understand the market and you understand, you know, the premiums that you can get and things like that, you know, cause things are hot right now, for example, Upwork. Okay. Upwork shot from, I think of a market valuation on March the 16th or something of this past year in 2020, it was somewhere and you'd have to look this up, but somewhere around 500 million to $700 million. And in the last 12 months, it has a valuation now of over 6 billion. And I think it even crossed 7 billion um, sometime earlier this week and they reported earnings. So you're talking about, you know, if you're in an Upwork and you, you know that you had this huge pop due to at home, you have to start asking yourself the question of, is this here to stay? Or was this a little blip, you know, in an, in an overall different world? For me, I think a lot of things are here to stay. And I think there's been paradigm shifts that have happened. And I, I'm almost certain you agree with that. Yeah. Well, let, let's take this into the, you know, like today being, you know, the back half of February and we've had already um, Senate hearings about what happened at GameStop. And now it's hedge funds and private equity versus the Internet and what that happened to what happened to GameStop and other what what do they call them? Meme stocks. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> only the internet could come up with a name like that. Yeah, what, like is is from an outsider looking in. Right now, I'm seeing others greedy. Right? Should I be fearful? Fearful versus is this the opportunity to be greedy because others are fearful? Well, I think that's a really good question. And obviously, if I had a crystal ball, you know, we would have we would have bought GameStop at around seventeen bucks. Um, but at the same time, I think at the end of the day, this goes into running a business and running your own business and GameStop and looking at the fundamentals of the business that I, I, you know, this is a personal opinion of mine. I think the price itself doesn't necessarily reflect the fundamentals of GameStop itself as a company. But I think, you know, what's happened with GameStop is much more of a free market and, you know, small retail investors are starting to become equipped with knowledge and they have more knowledge. Now, you know, in the past you have hedge funds or you have these financial institutions and the reason that they made the investments for you is because they had access to the advice or the news that you didn't necessarily have access to. But today, due to the free market that we have and all of the available news, everything's available to everyone. It's just a matter of how much you want to harness it. You know, but taking this this GameStop thing, I think it's been such a hot topic lately. And I've had so many friends, Drew, like I cannot tell you the number of friends. Actually, I'll tell you this. Last week, a friend of mine sends me this screenshot and he said, hey, Chad, I wanted your opinion on these companies. And so he was scouring Reddit and these forums for these people that are trying to like buy these stocks that are super depressed, whatever. Well, this was my advice to him. I said, you know, I, I want you to approach this as if you were buying the company as if this was your business, like look at all of these businesses and look at their stock prices. Yes, they're down. Yes, they're heavily shorted. And, you know, while short selling alone is, is a topic for a different day. The question is, would you really want to own these companies? 
you know, and because when you buy stock, you're buying ownership in a company. And when you take on investors, it's the exact same thing. And I think sometimes people disconnect it because they, you know, like whenever Peter invested in my poster company, he could, he bought 10% of it, you know, and it's hard to buy 10% of say GameStop, you know, and right now, I don't know what the market cap is today, but over a billion dollars, I mean, you got to have a lot of money to buy 10%. So the real question is, would you buy this company? And you know, what I said to my, fr my friend's name is Steve. And I said, you know, Steve, my question is, why would you ever buy any of these, any of these stocks that are listed on here? Because these companies, most of them are terrible and all they're really doing is gambling. That's really what's happening is they're all like buying something that's super shorted and hoping it goes up. Well, there's a reason that these things are shorted, whether, you know, they have like fundamentally for GameStop. I mean, think about it. Their primary business is in malls and strip malls right. and they sell physical games. I mean, today, I don't know if you, I have a switch and everyone has, you know, playstations and, and they buy their games digitally. Like, yeah, I, I, don't know. I know you just download it from the Microsoft store on Xbox. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even even things like Xbox, like we bought the digital only no CD version. So like, we could <laughs> never even show up at a GameStop, GameStop and get something there. But to uh, to bounce off a point you made before, where it seems like you're you're making an ethical, educated decision saying like truly what I want to invest in this business. You tie that back to it helped you. Like thinking like that helped you create a better business because you knew that one day someone would invest, buy out, um, you know, right off into the sunset. But a lot of Robin Hood-esque stock traders and buyers, there it really is as easy as going to the slot machine and yeah. clicking yeah. a button or, or pulling the arm and seeing what you get a day later, right? Not making educated decisions. But in this instance, they had... A social movement, a, a meme, pushed them and say, "Well, if everyone's going to go to the casinos and everyone's going to put, you know, X number of dollars down, then, you know, like on on the whole, they're going to they're going to benefit from that, right?" Sure. A butcher, butchered waves of you know making that analogous, but, um, you know, Robin Robin Hood, and we see some of the you know legislation these days, or you know, some of the lawsuits that are coming out saying, "Well, it's too much." They've they've Taken the best of, you know, from my industry, there's something called dark UX, right? It's it's why you sometimes buy things you didn't intend to buy because you felt compelled because our job as marketers is to compel you to do something perhaps against your otherwise good nature, but they gamified and they dark UXed something as easy as investing your money and not seeing or following through with, you know, like every other aspect of something like what that might mean because man, like that's access to your bank account right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, another way of um, thinking about this, Drew, from a company standpoint and, and being in business, well, first and foremost, I want to say something that Peter said to me years ago. We were, you know, the problem with GameStop and the Robinhood investors and what's happening is they're writing stories about GameStop and it's in the news every day. Okay. And Peter made a great point to, uh, about something similar to this to me years ago when we were talking about companies that explode overnight. And he said, Chad, you want to know why they write about them? Because they don't happen very often. And they're not the norm. So that's not what you should chase. And these GameStop gains in the market, they're not your norm. And somebody that, you know, I think I read an article, some guy put $25,000 into GameStop options and ended up being worth $3.9 million in, you know, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a month or whatever. 
the thing is, unless whoever that person is takes time to educate themselves, my argument would have been like, you don't know much about investing if you were willing to put $25,000 in GameStop options. Because if you believe that GameStop is going up, then you and I have a drastically different view of the fundamentals of the business as a whole. So, and I want to use an example of why, why I think investing is such, a, such an important role in running a business. Okay, whenever you're buying into a stock, you have to look at the business as a whole and look at the future of what you think. And remember, this is your own educated guess, really for anyone it's a guess, of what direction the future goes. And I'm gonna use the example of Blockbuster, okay? Blockbuster had an opportunity to buy Netflix and they didn't do it, okay? And they, they didn't have the foresight to see the future. And a lot of times when people are running companies, they're so narrow-minded in the way they've done things and things like this that they, they can't see far enough along to make the right pivotal moves in the business to stay relevant. And a great example other than Blockbuster would be like people that were um, with a typewriter. Okay, there were there were companies that had typewriters and they accounted for basically 100% of their sales. And there were other people other companies that were trying to make a better typewriter. And then along comes the computer. So all of a the sudden, these people that were making typewriters and investing all this money in typewriters and making the best typewriter, it's it's like they weren't seeing it. I don't, I don't know, Drew, and you know, sorry, I'm running all over with these examples, but as we're talking here, I, I have so many thoughts on it, but I'm not sure if you ever heard the, the horse and carriage analogy. When, when the automobile was coming, everyone knew that it was gonna be the future, but if you were selling horse and carriages and they were your primary business, what do you do as a company? What do you do? I, I have heard that before and um, get more horses. Like that's my goodness, you know, computer is to typewriter as cars to horses, as the phone was to, you know, everything. In, yeah. in your life yeah you know i mean drew let me ask you a question if you were if you were getting ready to go to college today you know i mean what would you major in i mean you put me on the spot there you know, yeah, so, know so to remind people i've never i didn't go to college um chad's a a dropout i i lacked <laughs> uh motivation <laughs> yeah look at us today um you know, like I, I think the only thing valuable, like the only valuable degree in college to get to the answer, right? Maybe yeah. something in, in um, like the higher sciences, right? Like cognitive yeah. science, neuroscience, stuff like that, you know, something that isn't easily Googleable or, or YouTubeable. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's so, I'm so glad that you said that, you know, for me, this is the thing, like what, whenever we make a decision on college, it's really the first, it's the first decision we make about as, 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 adults, I guess, that, that we make about the direction we think the future's headed. Because whenever you make your decision to go to college and get a degree, what you're you're hoping is that your investment does not become irrelevant. And so that's that's part of what you have to be willing to do is to not only make this decision on this degree, but also be willing to pivot if things change. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, so many people I know who started in one major and then 
it wasn't until the last semester where they resolved that they needed to do something else, right? Because maybe they they knew they were a little closer to a forced adulthood at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about all of these industries that we see changing, okay? And so many people, for some reason, I don't understand why they're so resistant to it, but if it was me, I would not be banking my future on driving like a truck, okay? And so like if I was a truck driver, this is what I would be doing right now. I would be taking all of my money and all of my time driving and I would be listening to podcasts. I would be taking Udemy courses on learning different skills, maybe getting the Google certification to become some form of a technical, you know, some form of a tech support for a, a company, something. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of smart people that are working on making those trucks drive themselves. And they should be because they're safer. They drive 24-7. There's so many benefits to it. Yes, the only real negative to autonomous vehicles is the number of people that it affects financially because 10% of the global workforce is uh, some form of vehicle driving. Right, right. Well, you, you know, like to, to summarize sort of the, the, the big picture of that is people aren't taught to be futurist. We're like in school, it's very momentary, very of the time, um, social networks, social causes, um, friends and family. And then you're, you're thrust into adulthood grasping for, you know, purpose, um, you know, meaning some sort of way to actually create an income. And, when you're when you're in this position, you're thinking, well, what do I do day to day? And I have I have so many buddies, you know, good high school buddies, you know, kids I knew since you know kindergarten, and you know, like there there was the the half that never left that day to day, and which is fine, right? Like if if yeah. you know, they're they're eating and, and they're enjoying life, then you know that that's what they're doing. More power to them. Um, and then there are those who went to higher education and, and you know, got into technology or, or nursing or education, like some sort of stable, you know, uh, you know, education, you know, air quotes, stable. Um, but I, I guess the point I'm getting at is it's it, like if you're going to invest in a stock, you're, you're putting some thought into like, what is this as a company? What is their value? What will it return to me? you know, months, weeks, months, and years from now, if you're going to invest your time and effort into a career field or a small business, then you need to ask yourself, like, is this market going to exist in the first place? For example, even, even the autonomous, like I, I, like I would go a step further and say autonomous vehicles work, but look at drones, man. Like, why do we even need roads to to deliver anything? Yeah. You know, that's such a good point. And you know, Drew, I think what's really important for for anyone out there who's thinking about even getting into business and you know enjoying our podcast, one of the things to remember is whenever you're whenever you're building your first company or even making your first decision on college, this is your first chance to become a futurist. You know, and so many people, and Drew, you just mentioned this, like the people that go day to day. I remember being in college. There was this this kid. I don't remember his name, but he gave a presentation and he talked about how he was what he called his, he described it a liver. He just lives from day to day, doesn't worry about the future, doesn't worry about the past. And, you know, here lately more than ever, I've seen advice on doing that. 
And while I am all about being present, I will tell you this, if you can't visualize the future and be part of creating it, then you will always be reacting to whatever the future brings you. And for me, you know, I look at, at our company and creating the future is, is my job. You know, it's making sure that as a leader that I'm on top of the trends, I'm on top of everything that I can see coming and being, you know, if not a year or two ahead, if farther, if possible. But, you know, obviously things change quickly today with technology, but it's about making sure that you understand the direction of everything that's going, you know, and remember business number one is, is Chad. Business number one is Drew. That is your first business. And you can tell, you know, I, I think I heard the other day, Drew, that this is really great. We'll have to have this as a quote for a podcast, but your business is a reflection of what you do poorly. And I thought that was really funny because it says the flaws that you have personally will be reflected in your business and they will be amplified. Oh, man. <laughs> that That is like, like I, just, you know, audience, go back to podcast one through five. And, and it was nothing but, um, you know, just identifying that it, this is hard. And, it, you know, like over time i've realized that it's a fight against myself and these challenges the challenge isn't always a customer who won't pay uh, a project that goes terribly wrong or um a, you know in your instance chad maybe a vehicle that has a little fender bender <laughs> i the challenge sometimes is realizing that you are in your business and you have to deal with the way you do things and yeah. when you start hiring people you know, not only do they financially, rec you know, lean on you, right? Their paycheck is a result of your being smart, smart enough to predict the future. But you, your job as the owner of the company is reliant on how smart you are to predict the future or set the future if you're in something that's is that, you know, that bold or that innovative. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like you look at, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but the Ford, I think the CEO, I want to say this and, and you'd have to look this up to clarify it, but a really great story behind it. He was doing an interview and um, they asked him about how he felt about Ford or whatever at the time. And he pulled out this, um, this list and I don't know if it had top 10 companies on it or whatever by market cap in whatever year it was, like 1999 or 2000. And he said, tell me how many of these companies are still on this list. And that's why we aren't done. Because it takes a really, really tough company with forward thinking to always stay on top. You know, because again, it goes back to being narrow-minded. But you know, and then just bringing this all the way back through to the quote itself is, at the end of the day, you want to understand the fundamentals and you want to understand when something's too good to be true. And that's what Buffett means by be fearful when others are greedy because everyone's being greedy about something. And, you know, if everyone's rushing to a degree or to a business, you most likely want to go a different path. I can tell you firsthand yesterday I had a call um, with a girl that works with us and she was saying, you know, she's like, Chad, why did like, you know, we're in the process of, of finishing our our franchise disclosure document, all the stuff with our legal team. And she's like, why does all this have to be so hard? And, you know, the answer is very simple because if it's not hard, everyone else will do it. And yep. you want to work on projects that are hard. I mean, a lot of people, some people want easy money and everyone thinks they want easy money until they get it. And then they realize that 
money's not the answer to happiness. I think you and oh, I man. both know that, Drew. <laughs> Absolutely the truth. You know, I can guarantee you whether you have five grand in the, or let's see, 500 in the bank, five grand, 50 grand or 5 million. It, there's really not that much difference in happiness. Like really there isn't. It's it's hard to explain, you know, and so many people say, well, it's easy for you to say, but I, I've been in every single position. I promise yeah. you all of them. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, my, my, my just big take on be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful is I, I like the second half of that quote. Yeah. And like, to me that, that says if, if, if like this is all about the masses in the end of the day, right? Like what is everyone else doing? And if everyone else is fearful about a, a dip in the market or, you know, a run on the banks or, um, a major disruption in the economy. If you if you look at and you try to understand why are they fearful about it? Like, is it a is it a human emotion and they're just comp- compelled by you know fear because they don't understand? Thus, you need to educate yourself. Are they fearful because you know they've tripped on their toes and and they've you know they've been into something that maybe you should actually look at and say, hey, like how did they how did they react in that situation? Um, because greedy to me seems like captivating or capturing on an opportunity or, or a moment. Right. And we, we look at right now where, you know, again, back half of February, the, the bubble that is to never pop. Thank you, fed. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so if, if everyone's thinking about home prices, bubbles, uh, or maybe they're not right. How do we how do we outsmart the fear to make really smart decisions? Because if no one's going to invest in something during this time, then you may be the only one to invest in it. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Drew. A, a psychological question: Have you ever been um, amazed at how a digital number on a screen can control how you feel? Have you ever I, thought about that? Like. If yep. you don't think that you create your own universe, I challenge you to look at your bank account and then look at your bank account on, you know, for, for some people as it grows or some people when they get a tax return and think about what that digital number does for you. It's crazy. I know exactly what you're, what you're, what you're getting at and what you're talking about. And I've, I've seen it and I've felt it, honestly felt it. Sometimes there's, you know, like, but if the bigger question is, is why and what does yep. that mean? Um, well, it's about understanding yourself. Yeah. And yeah. that's how you that's how you build a business, Drew. You have yep. to know what creates that feeling. And, you know, people think it's money because they lack it. The only people that really think it's money are the people that lack money. They're the only people. I, I don't know a single person that has it that thinks it's the end all be all. If that was the case, there would be no, no wealthy person would ever commit suicide. Right. You know, which is obviously not, we all know it's not true at all. Right. You know, but yeah, man. Well, Drew, I really appreciate, you know, us going through this one today. I feel like we gave everyone a lot to think about probably more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, you know, a good, a good podcast to come back on a good in the moment podcast. And we're going to have many more very soon. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, I think our quote for the next week, I have it right here. If that's okay, I'll go ahead and uh, we'll leave them with that. Drop it. All right. In order to succeed, your desire for success should be greater than your fear of failure. 
This has been another episode of the Poster Boy Podcast, brought to you by utproducts.com. Find and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at theposterboybook.com to grab your copy of the book.